Good morning and afternoon. Welcome to the Cowries and Rice podcast, a perfectly passable China Africa podcast. I'm your host, Winslow Robertson, and we are joined by the triumphant Dr. Enkem Jika Kalu. Dr. Kalu, how is Abuja? Abuja is hot and wet because the rainy season is just about to start, um, but it's also very, very um, official as the World Economic Forum meetings are being held in Abuja. And, um, a good time Abuja, assuming the government lets you move around. <laughs> How does one get into the World Economic Forum? Um, you know, I couldn't say because I didn't get into the World Economic Forum. What? But, um, <laughs> it's my own fault. I don't have a vehicle yet, so I am limited in my uh, ability to get around. But um, there's a lot of other meetings that are taking place around the World Economic Forum. And um, as long as you're plugged into the policy community here or know someone who is, it's easy to um, to get knowledge of these of these meetings and and get in and find out what's going on in the business in the business and industry world of I guess Africa. Are you gonna go to one of these meetings and get like good luck, Jonathan, on this podcast? <laughs> um, I wish. But um, I will be going to a meeting tomorrow um, on um, economic development in northern Nigeria. So, yeah, that's my one meeting around the World Economic Forum. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, uh, today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Duru, seeks to connect development workers, professional development resources, and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa that I know of. Today's episode is quite unique. We're going to have two people from one of the most powerful China-Africa digital spaces out on the internet, China-Africa blog, Alex Demasi. Yes. I asked Alex Demasi and Moritz Weigel. Correct. Okay, God, thank God. And they're going to come on and they're going to talk about their research in, into China's green energy initiatives in Africa. So, Alex, Moritz, welcome to the pod. Thank you, Winslow. Thank you, Winslow. Pleasure to be here. I, 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 I'm so happy we, we, could, we could finally connect. Um, what, what are you up to? Could you tell us about who you are and, and what your project is? So Alex and I, we met uh, back at university and uh, started looking into uh, China-Africa relations in 2003, um, where we were quite fascinated about the historical aspect of those relations and then found that there's very little information on, on the current state of what is going on um, back in that year and uh, started digging a bit into that and gave a few presentations and speeches on that, wrote a few pieces and basically kept on following that topic now for well over the last 11 years. Uh, in 2012, we then decided that we uh, could make a contribution to this um, by then very popular internationally discussed topic um, by adding a bit of more balanced information and different aspects um, to those multifaceted relations and developments between China and many African countries. 
Yeah, um, as Moritz said, so we we started um, the whole you know thinking about China and Africa actually back in two thousand three, um, where where the topic came actually especially within within the German thinking environment it came up. Could could you tell us you know where you went to school, wh- where you guys are right now, um, <laughs> the the role of Germany, you, all, all that stuff. That's true. So, I mean, we we graduated from the university. Um, in, in Cologne, Germany, so um, we have both um, modern China studies, um, political science, and uh, economics as, as backgrounds. Um, I personally um, do my PhD at the University uh, of Bonn here in Germany currently, and um, yeah, th- that's what we do actually. So, and we we are um, following this development closely. What's going on with China and Africa? Um, so then we are able to, to, to give some background analysis and more insight into this topic. And tell us a little bit about, about the blog in particular. So that's how I, I came to know you. You guys took the name China Africa Blog, which was the most brilliant marketing ploy I've ever heard because it, it's exactly what it sounds like. And so the genesis of that project, and then um, and your current uh, Twitter work, work presence, <laughs> yeah. one of those words. Yeah, thanks, Winslow. Um, in fact, it was a very long discussion on the name of the blog, um, a heated debate, and uh, in the end, we thought we we may come up with something very original, yet very clear to any audience who may stumble across it. And we thought that maybe these three words would just communicate best what we are about to do with this specific web page. So um, that's how the China Africa blog first came into being in, in 2012. And uh, then the Twitter account was basically in, in parallel. And that's, that, that was the beginning. That, huh? That's the story. Oh, yes. <laughs> now we, 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 we kind of filled it with life after we decided to take this name and actually it's, it's straightforward it's China Africa blog so and uh, so for for everybody who who's, who's coming up on this website clearly understands what what this means so in general what we do is we write about uh, different uh, developments um, very broadly uh, politically economically environmentally um, culturally, so um, really covering uh, many of those um, of those aspects, but we do have a specific focus on power shift, on innovation, on sustainability, on green economy, and um, the latter is also uh, what we are hoping to talk a bit about today with you. Uh, and and I want to let our listeners know, power shift green technology, these are not things normally associated with a China-Africa relationship. And, and for, for Alex and, and, and Moritz to sort of discuss these and, and bring them to light is, is really important and, and fills in a rather gaping hole in the China-Africa scholarship. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, you, you said it rightly. The, the point here is we should go beyond this, um, you know, uh, sometimes superficial discussion about about China is exploiting Africa and resource and and you know there's more behind it just than these these aspects so and and we try to 
um, to connect the dots, as also our, our website says. Um, what does this mean, actually? What, whatever we read in the newspapers every day or uh, read on, on Twitter, um, what does this mean, actually, at the end? What is the outcome of this? What, what will happen in the next decade or 20 years from now? So that kind of foresight or that kind of understanding is also our intention through this blog or through Twitter. And, and if you follow us on Twitter especially, you will see that thread that we try to connect all those aspects together. And, and, and especially now, this, um, uh, what is the topic of today? Uh, our current project is, is, is how can we put this discussion also by introducing the idea of, of the green energy or green technology into the China-Africa debate. It's true, it's not debated um, widely. We know some, some think tanks or some people do some sort of research in this area, especially in Stellenbosch, Center for China Studies, they do some stuff. But generally, it's, it's, you know, it's lacking, it's not there. Uh, but we need to think about that because it will affect the future. It's very true. Could you um, give us some context? What is China doing with regards to promoting green energy and technology? And um, how does that correlate with what we're seeing now with regards to um, China-Africa relations? Yeah, so China had an amazing development in this field, um, uh, specifically with its um, industrialization process uh, over the last um well, more than 30 years now, uh, which in the beginning was a very uh, resource-intensive and rather environmental-friendly, unfriendly uh, development. And the shift towards a more uh, sustainable and environmental-friendly path has definitely started already probably with the 11th five-year plan, but it came out very clearly in the 12th five-year plan. Wait, could, could, could you tell our listeners... What is the 11th five-year plan? What is a five-year plan? What, what does that sure. connote in terms of China? Yeah. Sure. So the, uh, China is um, guided, um, the developments or the, the policies are summarized in uh, five-year plans. And that is um, heritage from, um, from communist uh, days that are still continuing in a certain way. Um, so uh, China, since the founding of the People's Republic of China in 1949, there have been uh, five-year plans which summarize the main economic um, and development policies of the country decided for the next five-year period. And so currently we are in the 12th of these um, five-year plans, and uh, which will... Uh, end in 2015, so we are looking towards the 13th five-year plan very shortly. And what, what became very clear in this in terms of China's orientation um, for their development policy was um, that environmental uh, standards and the production, increased production um, of uh, renewable energy technologies and use of renewable energies uh, was a, a really big focus in there. Um, and following that, uh, China also um, decided on a number of policies that would um, support the development of uh, those renewable energy technologies within China, which ultimately and basically over a fairly short period of time 
led to um, China being, for example, when it comes to solar panels, um, the largest uh, producer in the world. Also has a significant um, size and share when it comes to uh, wind turbines uh, and other renewable energy technologies. So this is like the, the background, basically how the development um, went in China over the last decade. And One last thing I want to ask. Can you give us maybe a little bit about the numbers? Like, how does China compare to other countries? You, you mean what, in terms of how many solar panels are produced? Solar panels, wind turbines, subsidies given to um, green technology companies. Mm. You see, yeah, the, 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 not only the numbers, the numbers are huge. We are talking about billions of subsidies. Um, uh, you see, for us, it's not the number that is more important yet. It's more important to understand how a huge country like China understood within a short span of time to turn around and, and create its own technological companies, indigenous, innovative technological companies that were actually far behind developed countries, um, companies who, who, who used usually to produce those technologies. And it's, it's also more interesting to understand how this has been created within, within the Chinese um, uh, economy. So, and, and one player or one major uh, aspect was how the state was funneling or channeling money to, 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 you know, to this green, green technology companies. And Maurice just mentioned that the solar, the solar business um, is actually a very good example. So it was non-existent at the beginning of, of, the, of this decade, literally. But by funneling billions and billions of, of, of dollars into that, into that section of the, of the economy, they have managed, or China has managed to, to, to get on top of that, of that, um, of that industry. And now when we d discuss about South Africa later on, you will also understand that this capacity that was built up, indigenous capacity, that is now not only going to European or Western countries, but also to African countries, creating a completely new market which was not there a couple of years ago. So the, the numbers, we can, we can mention some numbers. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we have them here. But the, the, for us, it's not the number that is decisive here. It's more the understanding how a country like China could create, within a short span of time, a leading industry players in solar and wind turbine business. And those companies are now operating in Africa. So th this is more interesting. It should be also more interesting in the discussion than just giving some numbers. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I one of the things that struck me about living in China was the um, the number of solar powered uh, water heaters I would see at the at the, at the roofs of, of, of a lot of buildings, and you know I, I'm I'm an American and in in the U.S. I, I I like to think that we're a leader in green technology, but I can't find a solar powered anything in my neighborhood. Well, no, that's not. I mean, a uh, bike share. Uh, we have a, a capital bike share, and there's a solar powered things for that. But, you know, even in a, in a second tier city in, in Sichuan province, yeah. I, I, I just saw things happening all over and it was very impressive. And, and I, did, I did think showed real leadership on part of the, the Chinese government in terms of 
uh, green technology. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if I just add again, so the, the, you see the, the decisive point also from African perspective, if you want to call it, it, it is that we understand how within, really within a decade, an industry was built up within China that is now becoming a, a, a leading player on the African continent. So, the, the, you know, this, this innovation leapfrogging was very impressive. And one of, one of the advantage of a command economy structure like China, and, and as just Morris mentioned, the 12th five-year plan is, is one vehicle here, how they created a, a completely, you know, competitive industry, especially in solar panel, that is now becoming a major actor on the African continent. This link, we need to understand this link. And, and um, there is a talk out there saying about technology nationalism. So China used the technology nationalism method, meaning Western or developed country actors were forced to, to, to introduce innovation and technology within China as they were entering the market to, to, to create solar panels or other, other renewable energy technology. And that, the, 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 the rules and, and, and uh, the Chinese government more or less forced these Western companies to create so-called local content, which have now created for Chinese actors a favorable environment and conditions so that they can build up a huge capacity in that area within China. And that capacity is now moving out of China and going to Africa. This is the link we need to understand. Winslow, I found your reflection really interesting on the second tire Sichuan city that you witnessed yourself. And I did have uh, some similar experiences when I was traveling in, in Tibet in uh, 2004, um, where I also saw that um, using solar panels really helped in terms of bringing very re remote villages um, off-grid uh, energy. So I, I saw it a lot in remote areas of, of Tibet, mainly towards, towards Sichuan, in fact, also in the western part, uh, in the eastern part. And um, also for the, for the solar-powered water heater installations. And that is also one example that is um, quite successfully already being exported to Africa. And so those development challenges in terms of rural electrification um, but also replacement um, of uh, rather uh, difficult, um, let's say, diesel generators and having like the, um, the dependency on, on diesel supply. Um, our similar development channel, uh, challenges can be found in, in many African countries. So um, there, are, uh, there are those points that, that are in a way a bit uh, repeated story. Um, where now China is coming in as a very strong and effective partner. Wow. Could, could you give us maybe some names of, of Chinese companies to, to watch out for? I mean, uh, in terms of the China-Africa relationship, you'll, you'll, you'll hear, you know, Sinopec, you'll hear Sinohydro, you'll hear the, the Chinese Construction Corporation. But Give us some names of, of green companies or, or solar water heater companies or wind turbine companies that that our listeners should should try and be aware of. Well, um, I mean the the largest uh, solar panel producing Chinese companies are Yingli and 
Then there's, um, there's, I mean, they are by far the, the largest. Um, there are many smaller ones, and it's so far what we saw more smaller ones that also look at going into uh, African markets. Um, some successfully, some less so. So there are uh, there's an um, example from from Kenya where uh, actually um, the company tried to set up a local production line. So it was more assembly line. So it, when it comes to solar panels, I mean there are different steps on how to uh, how to do the let's say the knowledge intensity that is required for for the production. So there's um, more the assembly part, which is more a mechanical part, and then there's the production of the actual solar cells, which is of course uh, more high technology. And um, they try to establish um, an assembly line, which is quite labor intensive. Um, and requires some certain uh, skills in also it's it's basically more the the connecting of the different cells, um, but not the production as such. And that um, that product in in Kenya didn't uh, turn out well for for various reasons. Um, but we we hear that they are continuing that and they will be um, trying to give it a, a second go. I think next year, mm -hmm. um, the company in question. Um, Alex, do you remember? Do you remember that name? From from the Kenya project. No? Mm -hmm. okay. I'm I'm not quite sure if I, I remember, but but maybe I, maybe rather to highlight the positive um, story from Tanzania, uh, where so Tanzania is a different story because there it's really export. Um, so there uh, there was um, so there is in Tanzania there is um, this. Uh, uh, it's basically a company that distributes solar panels and ha is a contractor to many either construction or also governmental agencies. And they signed an agreement with a, with the Chinese company to um, for them to be provider, and that worked out really well. And those um, have not only been delivered but also uh, installed um, in in many parts of Tanzania. I'm just I'm I'm looking for the name right now. So uh, just hold on. Give me a second. No, but there there are other major players in, in this in the solar um, panel business. I mean, Santec is is one of the players. I'm sure you heard this name. Even there, yeah, are, actually, yeah. Santec is Santec Power is the one that um, that is uh, the one from the Tanzania case that I was just looking for. Okay. Um, so th th they are, but you see, th they are now the bigger names. Uh, everybody might recognize. They are also exporting to to, to US and and also to to Europe. Um, but beyond beyond these companies, there are now more and more smaller companies coming up. Especially when you think that the competition within China is getting fierce uh, and and competitive. So they 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 are looking for new markets, and obviously Africa. Could be a good a good market, and they they are moving there. So um. yeah, maybe if we I mean if we shift the focus on what is happening in Africa now in this context, or how does it relate? I think what is important to uh, put out there as a start is um, the the policy frameworks or let's say uh, agreements decisions that are already in place um, to look into fostering exactly that exchange. And that is probably by far and most um, those uh, agreements on the FOCAC, so under the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation. Um, it's fourth and fifth um, high-level meetings. 
uh, and there were in, in both um, contexts there were announced very specific announcement made um, lastly um, in 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 the fifth yeah. uh, where where it was announced that a uh, hundred projects of renewable energy uh, will be developed and implemented jointly. So there are these very specific um, references that can be found in that forum. But then there's also um, a very concrete highlight in that latest white paper that the Chinese government issued in, um, I believe it was... September. August 2013, I think. August 2013, thanks. Yeah, the white paper on China-Africa Economic and Trade Cooperation, I think it's titled. Um, and so there's also very specific focus on strengthening the cooperation in the area of sustainable development in general, but then also cooperating on environment um, technologies. So, of course, that also goes uh, beyond renewable energy. So here we also go in areas of agriculture, in areas of irrigation, um, in areas of energy efficiency also. So, so that, are, um, that are definitely more fields included there. Yeah, <clears throat> you, you see, that, that's what I, I meant when um, just earlier that um, we need to understand more, more the, the connection between these, uh, these different aspects. So it, it's not only about selling solar cells or, or wind turbines here. It, it's more about creating even a completely new market, which is non-existent yet, but will be existing soon in the next couple of years. And here we see that Chinese companies are actually positioning themselves in, in a very far favorable positions, and they will promote, most likely they will reap the, the 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 results as we as Africa develops, and we assume that Africa will develop, uh, you know, with these margins what we see currently five, six, seven percent per 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 year, and and this this is actually the from. from from my perspective, from our perspective, this is actually what matters most, that, that the whole idea of, of sustainable development is put in a completely different category within the, the, the China-Africa relations. And, and as Moritz also just mentioned uh, before, that the remote areas in, in African countries, they might really get the energy they need now for the first time maybe in, in, in decades. And uh, Dr. Kalu, I just uh, thought of something, uh, thinking of you being uh, close to the World Economic Forum in Nigeria. Um, we, we came across this very interesting statement coming out of that forum a few days ago where, where it said that six out of the ten fastest growing economies currently um, are in Africa. However, 74% uh, of their population is actually not having access to electricity. So um, obviously uh, there, there is a huge um, demand for energy and any economic growth requires that. And so the demand will also uh, proportionally grow with, with the economies and the need for it. So uh, energy, energy um, dependencies, of course, are a very big and important topic. Um, and, and there are many African countries that are very rich in, in, in sun and in wind and in geothermal, in hydro um, power, and, and maybe less so in, in oil or in other fossil fuels. So uh, there is definitely this, this, this huge potential, and there is also the focus from, gov from African governments on developing this potential. And so we see, um, looking at the Chinese development, 
Um, this really is a very uh, important and, and uh, strong partnership that will unfold. I think that's a um, good place to finish our conversation. Can you talk about recommendations? Okay, I would like to recommend um, actually a book which I recently finished. Um, this is a um, Americana from Chimamande Adiche, and which is a great book, seriously. And um, so I just, you know, I thought about this aspect. I have actually two recommendations, if if it's possible. <laughs> yeah, there are no hard and fast rules on on this recommendation section. Uh, yeah, this book just. Um, opened my eyes in, in, in you know, a lot of aspects and, and uh, Dr. Kalu, you can confirm that she's also from Nigeria. So um, a great writing, a great book. Um, I really like that. And that I would like to recommend, um, definitely. Um, and there is a book, um, it's called Enter Entrepreneurial State from uh, Mezzicato, Professor Mezzicato. I hope I, I speak the name correctly. It's okay. I mess up everybody's name all the time. Yeah. So on this podcast, we are known for not being the most. Yeah, but I was right. Um, <laughs> Professor Mariana Matsukato. Her name is Professor Mariana Matsukato. The Interpreneur State is a great, great book. It um, kind of you know describes how the state can play a very important role um, in creating innovation, and I think this book might be very helpful for a lot of African countries or decision makers in African countries. So, and they can, it, it kind of opens the understanding of a state. You know, we usually see the state as slow and, and uh, not innovative, etc. But actually, it could be a very, very important vehicle in, in transforming a complete economy to, to something. And that, that, these are the two, the two books which I would like to recommend. So from my side, if I may add to that, Vince Lowe? Yes, you, you, I want recommendations from you All right. as well. The topic that we've been talking a little bit about, so specifically um, renewable energies and China-Africa relations, I would highly recommend a quite comprehensive study that Climate Focus did together with the Global Public Policy Institute. Um, it is not the most up-to-date. It's um, back from 2011, I believe, um, but uh, it's very valid um, in its uh, approach and findings and uh, general recommendations, also specific recommendations um, to uh, three countries that were included as case studies. The title of that um, publication is Towards an Energizing Partnership, Exploring China's Role as Catalyst of Renewable Energy Development in Africa. Um, I believe it's freely available on the web. So that I would highly recommend on, on that specific topic. Uh, in general, on China-Africa relations, uh, one of the books that um, I was most impressed by, let's say, over the last year, um, was uh, the book by, the latest book by Stephen Chan, who is a professor at the... Um, um, School for Oriental Exactly, that's what I was looking for. The SOAS. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Now he's, he's a professor for, um, on uh, contemporary China at SOAS. And his book is titled The Morality of China and Africa, The Middle Kingdom and the Dark Continent. And I'd recommend this book because um, 
it really gives uh, very good insights into uh, Chinese culture and um, cultural thinking, uh, concepts of uh, guanxi, so relationships, um, and also uh, I, Confucianism, uh, historical contexts and links, and that put into the African context um, in terms of um, how China is uh, pursuing relationships with different African countries. And uh, it also goes down from this from the government uh, intergovernmental level um, to more the the business and interpersonal levels. So I think it's um, yeah, it was it was a very good read. So I can highly recommend that. Could could you tell us how people would find you on the interwebs? We we can be found actually under chinaafricablog.com. Um, so there you, you will find our blog and um, we, we publish from time to time we publish some, some information on that blog but if you want to follow us every day um, so follow us um, on Twitter and our, our handle is at China Africa blog and also on Facebook under China Africa blog you can follow us there as well and uh, yeah, if you are in Germany, um, sometimes we give speeches, um, you know, just follow us and you will hear where, where we will be giving speeches. So. <laughs> and terrific, <laughs> terrific. <laughs> so, and if you want to have an interview, just call us or contact us, okay? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Dr. Kalu, how do people find you? Um, I can be found online um, on Twitter. I tweet at the handle at NKMEKalu. I also blog at NKMEKalu.wordpress.com. I believe that's what it is. Yep, those are the places I can be found. As for myself, uh, I can be found on uh, cowriesandrice.blogspot.com. And my Twitter handle is at Winslow underscore R. The China Africa blog Twitter account is, in my estimation, the best China Africa Twitter account there is. And so if you are interested in this and you do have a Twitter account, I, I highly recommend you follow them. And, and Dr. Kalu has been doing a lot of great work on the Bring Back Our Girls global campaign. Uh, for that alone, it's, it's worth uh, keeping an eye on her. Well, we, we'd like to thank both of you for, for giving us your time for the, this podcast. This is going to be part one of this um, discussion. We're going to do part two. We'd also like to thank African Development Jobs for sponsoring us. We'd like to thank Mighty Mike of Pulse Recordings for composing the theme song. And we'd like to thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care. Yeah.